Please take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, starting with verse number 18. Luke 9, verse number 18. Luke 9, verse number 18. Let's all stand as we read the Word of God together in honor in the Bible. It was all settled at the cross. Appreciate that. We normally have the Bonner brothers here. We've got the Bonner sisters here today. Good to see them. They've been vacationing with their brothers and having a good time. Caught a lot of fish, they said. And uh, Nelson caught a 28-inch pike. Cut that up and fried that up. That's right. Quite a fisherman there. All right. Luke chapter 18, or Luke chapter 9, verse number 18. And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. Now that's interesting, isn't it? He was alone praying, and his disciples were with him. I've had that happen to me before. I've been praying, and I think the people that are with me, are just with me, they're not praying. The Bible says, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist. But some say, Elias, and others say, That one of the old prophets is risen again. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whomsoever, for whosoever will lose his life for my sake, shall find it or shall say uh, shall save it for what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or he be cast away for whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the son of man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels but i tell you of a truth there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd bless the reading of your word. Father, I pray you'd give us great discernment as we open the word of God today. And Father, I pray the Holy Spirit have freedom to help us as we understand your word today. Now, Father, bless in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus was alone praying, the Bible says. And that's interesting since the disciples were with him. But the verse is emphasizing only Jesus was praying. He prays and then he asks a question, a very important question. Whom say the people that I am? Verse number 19, notice the Bible says, again, we'll look at it. They answering said, John the Baptist. But some say Elias and others say that that one of the old prophets is risen again. Verse number 20, notice he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, the Christ of God. Verse number 21, and he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. Why? Because they weren't ready to hear that Jesus wasn't the deliverer 
uh, from Rome, but he was delivered from their sin. They weren't ready to hear that. They, they, they missed the, uh, the point that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who would come and forgive them their sin. John chapter 1, verse number 29. John the Baptist, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John the Baptist understood, but the disciples did not understand. Matter of fact, they didn't understand in John chapter 14. When Jesus told them, he just told them, I'm going to have to leave you. I'm going to have to go, and then I'll come again. I'll come back. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive it to myself that where I am, there ye may be also. They had a problem in comprehending that Jesus was there for one particular reason, and that reason is found in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Remember Jesus, the King of the Jews, the Messiah was going to bring a new kingdom, they thought. That's why uh, later on in Luke we find the uh, Hosannas, we find the Palm Sunday. And uh, they wanted to crown him with a crown. But Jesus wouldn't be crowned with a crown. He'd be crowned with a cross. And, of course, we know he was coming for the cross, not for a crown. The crown would be later. uh, And it's going to be, and still in the future, the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was the deliverer, not the one who would be delivered up. They, They didn't want to hear that. They wanted to hear that he was the deliverer, that he would take away their chains, the chains that Rome had put on them. Uh, But as we look at this portion of scripture, we see again, Jesus gives them this private announcement. And uh, he's saying, but we can't make this a public announcement yet because there's more of my earthly ministry that has to be accomplished before I can give them that whole message that I've come uh, as the Son of God to, to save them from their sins. And we know that that's what he was promoting all through that time. This was not a message on sonship, by the way. This was a message on discipleship. And as we look at this message, you can see after you become a child of God, uh, you become a disciple. But first, you must know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. First, you must accept him as your personal Savior. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So first you have to become a child of God before you can become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The closest thing in our contemporary um, mindset would be uh, for a disciple would be um, uh, a uh, understudy or a uh, intern or a apprentice. Uh, that would be the, the kind of uh, a mentality we'd have to think of as we think of the word discipleship. It's not a word that uh, we really understand that well. Remember, Jesus, again, tells them that they uh, are to become disciples. It's not about, son- it's not about uh, sonship here. It's about discipleship. And we are not saved from our sins because we take up the cross We're saved from our sins because we trust Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. If you understand that, say amen. 
He died on the cross for our sins. He died for our sins. He shed his blood for our sins. And after we have asked Jesus Christ to come into our heart, then we have to make up our mind of whether we're going to become a disciple. Decide if you're going to be a disciple. As I look at this portion of scripture, and we see a disciple is more than just a student. He's uh, he that learns lessons, that listens to lectures, and reads books. He is the one who learns by living and following the example of his teacher. It's a daily hands-on experience. Daily, the Bible tells us, the cross, pick up the cross daily and follow after me. So a disciple is not just a listener learning, but a disciple is doing And it's so very important we understand that. This Jesus is encouraging them now to do what he has been doing because he needed them to pick up the cross when he left, when he went to the cross, and when he would leave planet Earth, he needed them to follow through to be those that would be presenting the gospel to a lost and dying world. Uh, This past summer, again, uh, we uh, uh, had to paint our deck uh, it's a stained paint, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it, you're not supposed to have to do it every year, but every year we have to do it. How many understand what I'm saying? Every year, because of the Michigan winters, you have to do it. Well, last year I did it. The year two years ago, Kathy did it uh, because I was going to hire it done, and she found out how much it cost. She said, I'll do it for half that price. And so, <laughs> and then last year I did it myself, and I, I, I messed, my, I messed my wrist up for the entire summer doing it. So this year, I got, and matter of fact, last year I had him help me. This year, I got Danny Hagenauer. Danny Hagenauer was my understudy. He was my apprentice. He was my intern on painting the deck, right? Huh? We did it, didn't we? Huh? Yeah, we did it. He needed money for camp. I needed my wrist to stay healthy all year so I could cast. And so... Uh, he came over, and we started up. And in and, and the last year, we had gone through this. So this year, what did you do, Dan? What did you do, first of all? What did we do? You went back in the shed, and you got the what? Yeah, the, the applicator. Yeah. And, and we poured the stuff in there. We cleaned the deck off, and he started applying it. And I sat in my chair, and I drank the Diet Coke while I was watching him. It was great. He's doing exactly what I told him to do. He did a great job. But you know what? It needs it again already. I can't believe it already needs it again. But what are you saying? I'm saying it was more than just listening. Then he became the one who was applying the stain and was doing the job. I did help him a bit. But it's, uh, that, that's what Jesus is talking about here. And way too many Christians are content to be listeners uh, who... Uh, gain a lot of knowledge, but aren't putting it into practice. This portion of scripture is about getting involved in what Jesus was involved in. It's more than just sitting back and watching other Christians. It's saying, you know what, I'm son of God now. And so I've got now this mantle I'm going to put on and go forward and do what Jesus wants me to do. Uh, way too many Christians, again, have uh, just sat back and listened and got all kinds of knowledge, but they haven't picked up the cross and followed after the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop for a second here. 
back in the Roman world, a cross was a symbol of shame and suffering, rejection. The cross was the most despicable way a man could die. Matter of fact, if you're a Roman citizen, you could not be crucified on the cross. Uh, So crucifixion was never even mentioned in a polite conversation. You never mentioned it. People would never imagine wearing a cross on their lapel or wearing a cross around their necks. Now, Jesus tells his uh, followers to take up the cross and to follow after me. Take up the cross and follow me. It didn't make sense to a lot of these followers. What's he talking about? It certainly didn't make sense to any of the Romans. What's he talking about? But Jesus is making a point, and the point is discipleship is a daily discipline. They didn't understand the complete um, uh, idea of the cross because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. We understand it. They were a disadvantage, John, that we have an advantage of because we understand what the cross was all about. The cross, the empty cross is showing us that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, went to the grave, came forth out of the grave, victorious over sin and death, and has given us an opportunity to have an enablement from the Spirit of God to live for him and to serve him as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to stop for just a second. I want you to get your brains in gear, all right? However it is, you have to push a button or you have to turn the knob. Get it in gear. Okay, let's go for a second to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. This will be great. Mark chapter 14. Catch this, Gabe. Catch this at your age, and this will be something that you can use the rest of your life. Catch it. Look at it. Uh, Comprehend it. The Bible says, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will but what thou will. The key to the cross is this cup. The key to the cross is this verse. When Jesus prayed, Father, take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will, the cup represents the suffering of the cross, the the dying on the cross of Calvary. See, the cross is the ultimate symbol of, of Jesus' commitment to the will of his Father. You get that? It's the ultimate commitment of his will to his Father's will. Jesus is saying, not my will, but thine. Not what I want, but what you want. Take this cup, this cup that you poured full uh, for me to take. Take this cup, this cross, the will of God, whatever suffering that might bring for him. Take up our cross to follow him. That's what he's saying. Take up our cross to follow after Jesus simply means that we are to imitate Jesus and daily live for the Lord Jesus Christ, live with the willingness to follow God's will rather than my own will. To follow God's will, whatever that may hold for me, I'm going to follow God's will. But friend, beyond every cross is a resurrection joy. Let me tell you that. Beyond every cross is resurrection joy. If you will live for your Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus will bless you. If you believe that, say amen and raise your hand. 
I'm telling you, I believe that with all my heart. I am convinced that that's what God is giving us. You know, Jesus Christ is depending upon us to get the gospel out. He's left. He's in heaven. But he's not left us all alone. He's left his spirit in us. He's given us this great opportunity to take that uh, that, that uh, mandate that he gave us. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And to go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. To go into the world, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. And to do uh, his will by telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. In this scripture, we see verse number 23. Look at it again with me if you go back to our text. 9.23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus asked his disciples to decide to dedicate to do the work of of a disciple. If any man will come after me. If any man. So make your mind up. Decide. I jotted down a couple words. I always like to jot down a few words in the flyleaf of my Bible to give me uh, immediate uh, access to what the portion of Scripture is talking about. Decide. Deny myself. And daily take up the cross. As I look at that, take up the cross. First, make up your mind. Decide to obey. You know, when I was a child, my sweet mother would ask me to do something. And I had a sweet little mother. She was about five foot tall, red hair, and just, just a, I mean, just a sweet little thing. But my mom would ask me to do something. She'd say, Doug, take out the garbage or take out the papers or whatever. Back in those days, some of you remember, we used to have a 55-gallon burning barrel. How many remember those days? And uh, like Bernie and all those people, they would have had fits. Uh, They would have had war dances around our house. Uh, But anyway, uh, back in those days, it was all about, you know, taking it out, throwing it in the 55-gallon barrel. Remember... And it had had you had the axe and you cut holes in the side so it could breathe out and you throw the trash in there and you and you'd burn it. Well, when my mom would say take out the trash, she'd tell me to do something. Uh, she'd ask me and she might say, uh, "Son, take out the garbage." And even though it was in a sweet tone, I knew it was a command. You know, I I didn't say. Okay, Mom, when I have time, I'll take out the garbage. I didn't say, Mom, is there a multiple choice with that, uh, with that command you just made? A, B, C, and she would have said, A, take out the garbage, B, take out the garbage, C, take out the garbage, D, your father's going to talk to you when he gets home. It was never the talking I was concerned about with my father. Even though she had a sweet tone, it was still a command. I I didn't wait and say, well, uh, Mom, maybe it would be time for Gary to take out the garbage, my younger brother. No, I didn't question. I did that one time. It was not a good thing. I didn't question my mother. I, I didn't ask her questions. I see this all the time with kids and their parents. Uh, the parents tell them to do something and they ask a question. Or um, they question the question that was asked of them. I didn't ask her if I could wait or delegate it. I just did it. And if I didn't, 
it was disobedience. Is that what it is? Is that what it still is in 21st century parenting? Is it still disobedience? Is it? If it is, say amen. Make sure your kids know that. Make sure they know it's disobedience. And it's disobedience to your authority. Don't say the Lord would be disappointed. No, you know the Lord's disappointed in you as a parent when you don't train your children right. Yeah. Uh, so disobedience on my part and there would be chastening on her part. Uh, she would chasten me or she would tell my dad. And again, that wasn't good. Uh, it would have been a lot easier for me just to obey. Uh, and um, I, I recognized that in life, very early in life. Verse 24, notice the Bible says, For whosoever will save his life, that's what I did when I obeyed her, shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Jesus' disciples are to obey the words of Jesus. It's their responsibility. It's my responsibility. See, the only way to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is to be a good and faithful servant. It's to follow what God has told me to do. When your life is done and you've lived your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will benefit at that bema seat judgment hearing those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you live for yourself and ignore the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and live only for earthly gain or for personal gain, instead of recognizing you're not your own, you've been bought with a price, then you will have no eternal gain. Uh, now, you may have a home in heaven, but no eternal gain. Nor earthly joy, by the way. You, you don't have earthly joy. When you're disobedient, when I was disobedient with my mom, I didn't have earthly joy. I had guilt. I felt bad because I knew when dad came home, there would be the day of reckoning. Jesus didn't do his will. He did his father's will. And because he obeyed his father, that brought gain for all of us. We all have heaven if we'll receive Jesus as our savior. So Jesus is, first of all, asking the question. And the answer would give the foundation for the reason of the cross. Now look at the question again in verse number 18. Whom say the people that I am? If you're here today and you haven't answered that question, if you don't know who Jesus is, then there's no way you can really understand or comprehend this discipleship uh, program that Jesus wants us all in after we're saved. You have to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. You know, there's some major religious denominations that are really popular, but they don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus the Bible tells us in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's important that we understand that. You know, there was an old-time comedian who was once asked, What faith are you? He replied, I'm a Jehovah bystander. They wanted me to be a Jehovah witness, but I 
didn't want to get involved. And, you know, it's kind of funny, but, but we, we all know that feeling, involvement. The trouble is that everyone who meets Jesus as Savior is already involved. You are now a child of God. You are now a son of God. From the first message, follow me in Mark chapter or Matthew chapter 4, to his last message to the seven churches of, of uh, Asia Minor, the Lord Jesus Christ demands a decision about his identity and our duty. Now, don't again, don't let that duty turn you off, okay? Let me see. Uh, I really believe that some Christians are just, are just really, just really ripping themselves off. How can I? No, I'll just say it that way. My uh, my sweet grandma Jackson, Marjorie Jackson. When she passed away. I I got a note from an attorney that told me that I was executor of her will. Now I didn't know my grandma had anything. I knew she had a little something. But I didn't know she had much. And the executor, uh, as executor, I had to read through the will and read through the papers. And, and it just so happened that the attorney that wrote all of this up was now the judge that I would appear before. <clears throat> I had all of this. I started reading. I went, wow. It was going to be, her estate was going to be divided in eight ways. And uh, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful thing. I mean, this is great. I, I, I've only been here a while, and and uh, this had been a wonderful. This was a wonderful, wonderful addition to my bank account that wasn't big at all. And so I remember reading it, and uh, reading all about it, and reading about all the opportunities that were in this will. And yet, I did not have that will completed until after I went to the judge and then the judge released the the paperwork for me to get all the uh, money and the properties or whatever. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. Listen to me. Some of you are living with a will when God wants you to live with the the benefits of that will. You You can live right now. When that was... When that happened, when that when that all came, when that when that check came to us, we really understood that will. Before it was just on paper. You understand what I'm saying? We were just hearing it, but it wasn't ours until we received the cash, and then it became ours. Does that make sense to you? Some of you are living just in the will, and God is saying, "No, I've got so much more for you. You can collect on that right now." I want you to know it right now. I want you to know the joy of serving me right now. I want you to know the joy of living for me right now. I want you to know the, know the contentment that I have for you right now. You've got this right now. Don't just live on the paperwork. Live in the reality of the fruit that I have for you. <coughs> uh, as you look at this, you see, again, he wants us to know his identity. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you trusted in him? Do you know him today? Well, if you do, then make up your mind. 
Make up your mind and pick up the cross and start following after him. People, you're going to be so much happier in your Christian life if you're doing what God wants you to do. Okay, so you put your trust in him. Now comes the crucifixion. Jesus Christ dies on the cross. Then he comes forth from the grave, victorious over sin and death. They didn't know any of that. This is all ahead of that. And Jesus is telling them to take up the cross. This was a hard concept because they didn't have what we have today. But we have it today. We understand it. We know what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has given us this great opportunity to live for him. So Jesus demands for us to live for him above all and everything else. That's why those verses are in 26 and 27. That's the commitment that we're to have. It's huge. Um, Let me put it this way. Uh, Lonnie back there, uh, Lund, Florida. Lund, Florida, joined the Army. Were you a drafter or did you join? Joined, that's what I thought. I know you dropped out of school and you joined the Army. He's a very, I mean, I don't know if you've talked to Lonnie. He's a very intelligent man now, but he was a little foolish in his teenage years. But he went into the army. When he went into the army, where did you have to go? Where where did you serve in the army? Went to Fort Knox and then you went to... Went to Turkey where? Turkey and Vietnam. Everyone thank Lonnie for his service. Thank you, Lonnie. Thank you. you. (laughs) Let me see... Um, uh, I did not go to Turkey or Vietnam. Okay, we're about the same age. I know he looks much younger than me. Wasn't that a nice compliment? Uh, but I wasn't in the army. I was in uh, seminar in Bible college during that time, and I told my parents, uh, I, "If you know, if my number comes up, then I'm going to join quickly because I want to go in the ROTC." become uh, officer and I like I, I always kind of like the army idea but my parents said no just let the Lord if the Lord wants you in there he'll give you one of those low numbers you can be dry. well my number wasn't low it was way up in the 300s but when he went to Turkey and Vietnam I didn't go to Turkey and Vietnam you know why because I was in the military if I had tried to go to Turkey or Vietnam in those days they said no you can't go there But he did go there. Why? Because he was in the military. And Uncle Sam said, go. Now, if you hadn't gone to Turkey, or you hadn't gone to Vietnam, what would happen? (laughs) You'd have been AWOL, and you'd have gone to jail. Right? Why? Because he had a responsibility. Now, why can we understand that, and why can't we understand this? We have a responsibility for sonship as sons of God. Uh, another thing, let's go to, uh, um, let's go, let me try another thing. Bob and Tori there, okay? Bob and Tori, you've been married how long? How many? Almost 23 years. When's your, when's your anniversary? All right, almost 23 years, okay. Bob, do you date? 
Only her. Tori, do you date anybody other than your husband? Oh, you're a little slow on that. Why? Because there was a commitment that you made almost 23 years ago. And you're, you're involved in this marriage. And in this marriage, there are responsibility in this marriage. And in the marriage responsibility, you know, it would be ridiculous for him to think he could date or you could think you could date. Why? Because there's a commitment. And that's what the Lord is talking about here, a commitment. You made a commitment to me. I made a commitment to you. I saved you from your sin. And now will you follow me? Will you be my disciple? Why is there that commitment with Bob and Tori? Because there's a passion. There's a passion for one another. They wouldn't want to hurt each other. I think that's first of all. More than even hurting their children, they wouldn't want to hurt each other. There's a passion. Their love has grown. There is a high price for freedom. And uh, we know that high price for freedom was the uh, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's tree. And there ought to be a passion in our hearts and our lives to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I should be able to submit to that higher authority than myself. The higher authority, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not unreasonable. I don't want you to think of it as unreasonable. We shouldn't be shocked by the demand that Jesus is making on his disciples. It's about discipleship. It's about serving the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many Christians today that live in a... They, they, they think their Christianity is a, a casual, comfy, convenient thing. But it's more than that. It's the cross. And Jesus brings up the cross. It's the cross that I'll go to, disciples, that you don't quite understand. But it's the cross. And when I go to the cross, this, this will make so much more sense to you because it will show you its commitment of your will to mine. But we understand that. This should cause a deeper commitment and a greater passion because of what Jesus has done. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. We know because of the scriptures and because of history, past and present, that Christians have been martyred and killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Remember Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Remember James in, in Acts chapter 12 and Paul in 2 Timothy 4 through 6. The Anabaptists, uh, uh, Christians today in Uganda and Somalia. But the object here is even more fundamental. As you look at this portion of scripture, it's about the death of our wills. It's dying to self. It's recognizing the old man, that flesh that I've battled with every day that Paul calls wretched in Romans chapter 7 and verse number 24. It's recognizing not my will, but thy will. It's recognizing that we have a cup that we have to not let go of. It's the cup that God gave us. It's the cross that we're to bear. Deciding to live as a disciple. Following the master is the only done successfully when we die to self and we enable the spirit of God to help us in our daily life for Jesus Christ. We have to set our lives aside as a living sacrifice. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
The Bible tells us, let's look there one time over at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul is trying to get this through the hard-headed people in Corinth. In verse number 19, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Not renting this body, not leasing, but I know that he owns me. God waits for your love, and your love is seen through your discipleship. Yeah, in your obedience. That's what it's all about. Some will dismiss this message today. I realize that. I know that. I mean, when you're in the ministry, as long as I've been in the ministry, uh, you recognize that there'll be some people that will they'll, they'll smile, they'll listen. There's some people that are really involved, and I appreciate that. They're really involved in it. And um, they're, they're, they're looking at Scripture, and they're saying, Holy Spirit, give me discernment. Help me understand this. Matter of fact, there's some here whose hearts are cold, as cold as dry ice, because you've been so far away from the Word of God for so long. You've shoved it out of the way. You, you've got so many other things you're going to do with life, and you think those are more important now for you to be involved in those than recognizing there's great value in loving and honoring God. Yet the loving Heavenly Father is still calling. Take up the cross. Follow me. Follow my son. Some have a position in Christ here today but not a passion for Christ. Between them and God is a cloud of concealment. It's uh, some sin they're trying to hold on to, and they think that they can get away with it. Remember, if you're saved, you're his son. And unlike parenting that's going on today God is not that kind of parent he's a heavenly father that will bring you back in to submission between them and God is this cloud of concealment and they don't see the sun shining you know what I'm talking about we had some great pictures Dwayne showed me a couple great pictures I had a couple great pictures on the east side of the state uh, Lake Huron, the sun coming up. Beautiful. But because of this clouds of concealment, you're not seeing the sun. But let me tell you something. Just as the sun is shining someplace today, God is always shining. And it's not because of God. It's because of you that you're not enjoying the sunlight of his love. Just as the sun is shining somewhere, God's love is always there. But the clouds of our own making stop us from seeing God's love and glory. Many times it's because of sin in our life, pride. Uh, because we um, won't give up something. Our own ambition, ambition, our own secret sins. 
love for something that we've stuck up there between us and God. Matthew chapter 6. Take your Bibles and turn there again. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 6. And starting with verse number 21. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, and therefore thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. Did you catch that? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, for what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So, you say, well... You're right, Pastor. It's not about me being right. I'm right because I'm giving you the word of God. But it's about you being right. It's about you understanding. After sonship comes what? Discipleship. And if you're not serving the Lord, you're not going to know the great benefits that God has for you. It's not about being right. It's about being right with God. You say, I'll pray about it. I hear this all the time. I'll pray about it. Pray about doing something God has told us to do. wonder if that would have went over big with my mom. Take out the trash. Mom, I've got to pray about it. <laughs> oh, dear Lord in heaven, help me as I determine whether to obey my mother. I don't even think I'd have got that far in the prayer. Huh? Try that next time, Gabe. Picking on Gabe today. Try that with your mom next time or your dad. Dad, let me pray about it. What do you think? No, it's not going to work. I'm going to pray about it. Huh? Paige, does that work in your home? Mom, won't pray about it? No. No, we don't need to pray about something God has told us already to do. Take up the cross. He asked us to do it. Make up your mind. And he said to them all. I like this. To them all. Read it. To them all. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. His cross daily and follow me. 
And I want you to know the sunlight of God's love. The blessings that God has for you. Seriously. It's wonderful to obey God. Father, I thank you for this time you've given us today. I thank you, Father, for your word and the power of it. And I pray, Heavenly Father, you would use your word to challenge our hearts today. Father, if we've not been involved in following you and taking up our cross and following you and taking up the cross and following you, Father, I pray today you'd help us see the cloud of concealment that we've put between us and you, whatever it may be, whatever excuse it may be, whatever thing it may be. Father, help us get rid of that. We might be obedient to the one who died for us and has now given us great victory in this life that we live.